Hello, welcome to Gunfighter Cast, episode number 125. I'm your host, Daniel Shaw. This episode, we're going to go over some questions that I've been getting for quite a while and some that some people dropped today on Facebook. So, going to try to answer those questions the best I can and hopefully provide some of the, the usual good, solid content that you guys want to hear. Uh, this is my second time doing the live Facebook recording of the podcast. I, I had a lot of fun last time, so hopefully it's something that we continue to do. If you guys continue to enjoy it, I will. Before we start answering questions, I need to let you know that this episode of Gunfighter Cast is brought to you by Primary Weapon Systems. Primary Weapon Systems is a machine shop in Boise, Idaho. I spent quite a bit of time up there in Boise with them before. I taught a class there a few years ago, and I just absolutely love the company culture and Primary Weapon Systems. I've been using a rifle of theirs for many years now. Uh, they make almost all of their parts completely in-house and with state-of-the-art machining. The parts that they don't make in-house, they go to reputable, good quality, highest quality manufacturers in the U.S. to get those parts. And just uh, awesome state-of-the-art machining that they have. Great company, and I'm, I'm proud to say that they are my exclusive rifle sponsor. Not only do they sponsor Gunfighter Cast to support this show and what we put out, but uh, I am running PWS Rifles exclusively this year and really stoked about that because i got a lot of cool stuff happening and most of it involves a rifle all right so uh question number one i man i I get this well let me back up i get a question all the time tomorrow i'm gonna get this question i'm surprised i didn't get it today but i get this question all the time about somebody who wants to know about a certain item and i'm not going to say what the question is i'm actually going to save that one till the last question that i answer because it is the most asked questions in the history of firearms and you can probably guess what that question is some of you probably will that you go you trainers out there and people in front of a uh in in the media out there will know exactly what question that i'm talking about and i'm going to answer that question here at the end of the show but you know question that i get a lot is kind of along the same lines as that question that I didn't tell you, but it's what holster should I get? And what holster should I get is a uh, is a question I get all the time. And I, I don't have a good answer for that, man. I, I don't have, I can't tell you what holster to get. There's just no way for me to tell you to do that. I have holsters that I like, and I've had holsters that I found that I dislike. There's ways of carrying the gun that I like that I dislike. And, you know, my body type, my size, the kind of guns I carry are most likely different then your body weight, your size, your your body type, your build, the way you dress, the gun you carry. If, if, if all things are the same, then I could probably give you really, really good advice on what holster is going to be perfect for you. But since we're probably not built the same way or carrying the same thing or carrying the same way or any of those things then it's going to be very difficult for me to give you, tell you the exact holsters you should buy. So what I want you to do is I want you to look at the application. So um, I've had students in the past that have to wear slacks every single day, and they have a very difficult time concealing their holster. Uh, or concealing their gun. And maybe they have to buy a smaller gun to carry it in the pocket. Or maybe they have to go ankle. Uh, You know, pocket and ankle may not be the most preferred modes of carry, but if that's what your option is, and that's what it is. So we have to look at your application first. So whatever your application is, if if you just want to, hey, I usually carry appendix inside the waistband or around 3 o'clock inside the waistband, 3.30, 4 o'clock, whatever. If that's what you want, there's a lot of good options out there in that area. And I would just say try a few. Try a few holsters and see which ones you like, but go ahead and understand that that's not, you're never going to buy your last holster. It's just, it's not, it doesn't work that way. I I have a stupid amount of holsters from people sending them to me for T&E. I have a stupid amount of holsters from me buying holsters. And what I have found more than anything else is that I don't like any holsters. Like I just, when somebody tells me, oh dude, this holster is so comfortable. It's amazing. I love it so much. I'm like, you gotta be crazy. Like they're carrying that extra weight inside your pants. There may be a joke in there somewhere. Uh, But carrying that extra weight inside your pants and carrying the gun inside of uh, an object that's that's attached to your belt and your 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 pants are tighter than usual or they're tighter in one spot than they are in another. Like there's there's just nothing incredibly comfortable about carrying a gun. We have to accept that it's not. Like I I don't my wife sometimes wears heels. You can't get her to do it very often. She may be watching this right now. She'll be mad at me or she'll storm through the door any minute. But they have to pay a price to the fashion gods to wear those heels because they they hurt. They're uncomfortable. And it's I'm the same way. I, I enjoy having a gun on me and having the security and the safety of having that gun on me. And in case something happens, I'm able to defend my loved ones, myself and others. But I'm paying a price for it whenever I carry it because I'm giving up a little bit of comfort out there. It is more comfortable and it's easier for me to go without carrying a gun. 
but it's not safer. So I make that uh, judgment call and go ahead and, and go ahead and take that uh, that pain, if you will, or that discomfort and strap on a gun, uh, even though it's not the most comfortable thing ever. But as I'm carrying different guns, you can find some different levels of comfort. And depending on the gun that you, the, the, the type of holster that you like, uh, or you don't even know if you like it or not, uh, I recommend a few different people to try them. If you're going after the hybrid style with the kydex on top of the leather if you like that and uh, i've carried that for years and i like for the crossbreed crossbreed super tuck solid manufacturer Comptac makes a great holster for that there's a few other companies out there that are that are basically copying that model and doing it and doing it very well and there's a lot of good options in that category i find that in the summertime that is my least favorable way to carry the gun because it's um I got so much leather against my body and it's hot outside. I don't care for it. I'm going to talk a little bit later on about a question that I get asked a lot about appendix carry. So without giving that away, I I carry appendix more than any other mode of carry out there right now. And I'm finding that I really like the Bravo concealment holsters and the Raven concealment holsters. I like both of those a lot. And I, I just got one of the uh, new Bravo concealment torsions in that I've been carrying a little bit and, uh, I'm liking it, but I got to spend a little more time with it. Uh, the Raven, Raven concealment. I always say this wrong. The Eidolon, Eidolon, uh, good holsters, some, some good stuff in there where the, the little claw that pushes out the belt and it really does keep that pistol grip tight against the body. I, I like those a lot. Those are good quality holsters. And one that I'm looking at that I haven't picked up yet is the, uh, one that a few episode um, Matt Landfair talked about from primary and secondary, the Bowitaman light bearing appendix inside the waistband holster. I haven't used it, and uh, but it looks like a really really solid holster, and it's a light bearing holster, and it's got some uh, some pretty promising features. I'm gonna have to check it out, and uh, I'll let you guys know what I think whenever I pick one of those things up. But yeah, you know, I, I really like the Bravo holsters, uh, Raven. Those, those are all, all solid choices out there. So I, I hope that answers all those people who asked me the question about the holster. I'm sure I'll still get answered, get it asked again tomorrow. G- go ahead and realize that you're going to buy a lot of holsters. You're never going to buy your last holster. This is a constant thing that we're always going to learn. And you're going to find things that you like and things that you don't like, but the only way you're going to get that experience is going out there and carrying the gun. I know you guys are asking a lot of questions out there. I love you, but I got to get through a few things. And then I'm going to scroll through this thing and start answering some questions. All right. So I get asked this one a lot, a lot in the past like six months. And this is going to be a good one that uh, I think you guys are going to like. The question is, you did an episode on the safety issues associated with appendix carry, but now I see you carrying appendix in a lot of different videos. That's a great question. I mean, that's a, a that's as valid as it gets right there. So the episode that is in question here that, that uh, we're talking about was one that John and I did a few years ago, and we were looking at appendix carry. And there's a, I still believe that there are some negative sides to appendix carry. There's some negative sides to a few different modes of carry. There's negative sides to pretty... I could find negatives in pretty much every motor carrier carry that was out there or is currently out there. So that episode, I think we looked at a lot of the the issues that are associated with appendix carry, and I think we gave them a fair look, and I think they're valid concerns. But after that episode, a lot of folks were, you know, pardon the expression, they were like, butt hurt. I, I, well, I carry appendix and I don't shoot myself or I train appendix and I don't shoot myself. And I'm like, well, that, that's great. You know, um, but are we muzzling ourselves or any of those things? And I got challenged. Somebody said, Hey man, why don't you carry appendix a little bit and see what you think? So I said, you know what? I'm going to spend a whole year and I'm going to carry appendix. So I started carrying appendix for a year and I found that it's my favorite way to carry a gun nowadays. You know, I, I, I changed my mind. Now, did I change my mind about the safety concerns? No, those are still there. They're still valid. But I am now a proponent of appendix inside the waistband carry. I, I, that's, I find that it is the most comfortable way for me to carry the, the gun. And uh, it makes it a lot easier for me. And uh, I, access is great. There's a, there's a lot of advantages to carrying appendix, but still we have some of those disadvantages. But I, I have completely changed my mind after that one-year test. And now it's... Uh... a <laughs> Okay, Ryan, are you trolling right now, Ryan? What's your favorite gun for ankle carry? Um, none. Uh, not really my thing. Uh, my job uh, doesn't allow, doesn't require me to carry some uh, uh, some gun in the ankle holster. But thanks for asking that. So that one year test, it, it changed my mind, and uh, I changed my mind about that. And 
I may change my mind about it again. So I reserve the right to do that. The stream that you guys got going and answer some of those questions. Uh, there may be some valid ones in there and then some of you trolls out there, but that's fine. I love you too. All right. So Nighthawk Custom, sponsor of Gunfighter Cast. Really appreciate that. They make the best, the absolute top quality 1911s in the United States. Their motto is one gun, one gunsmith. That means that their one gunsmith's dedication, his name, his livelihood, whether or not he feeds his kids next week, it, it's all dependent on making that gun the right way. There is no better U.S. manufactured 1911 out there, in my opinion, and I absolutely love Nighthawk Customs. So one one gun, one gunsmith, one single gunsmith is going to take that gun and it's going to build it from the very beginning all the way to the end, and you're going to have one awesome product. If you want to win, and I know you do, a 1911 from Nighthawk Custom, right now they're giving away a Predator 2. And every 90 days in 2017, Nighthawk Customs is going to be giving away a free 1911 to one lucky winner. That's every 90 days. And all you need to do to register is go to nighthawkcustom.com forward slash gunfightercast. So nighthawkcustom.com forward slash gunfightercast, and you get added to the list. That's all it takes. See if I can find some of these uh, questions that you guys are asking. Some reason Ryan's all excited about the XD. Ryan, go talk to all the law enforcement agencies out there that are using the XD and ask them what they think about it. I'll be sitting here waiting. Corey, I'll be in Indiana in uh, April, actually. Uh, www.shawstrategies.com. Check out the calendar. And uh, I'm in Indiana teaching handgun, too. Oh, Ryan, a valid question, a good one. So what do you think about the tactical corsets that are popular right now? Maybe Andrea has input on this. I, I don't know. She she couldn't get one to fit her the, the right way. And uh, I think she began to question whether they were made for females of her body size and body type. So I, I would have to revert that question to somebody that it did fit. She didn't care for it. I have seen a few that, that protect the trigger guard, that have an insert that cover the trigger guard. It scares me in a belly band or corsets uh, or any type of mode of carry where when the trigger can be pressed through the material. I, I should not be carrying, you should not be carrying in a way, especially not when you're picking up kids and carrying kids around, put them down like we are uh, and like my wife is. When you have a a way of carrying that will allow the trigger to be pressed through that material, it's a pretty scary thing. Uh, Matt Sprague says that ankle carry is one of the least preferred methods just above purse. You know, I, I like when people carry guns. I like when law-abiding armed citizens have firearms and they have training and they carry firearms. And if your way of carrying, the way you, where you work, the way you dress, what you're required to wear as far as clothing, wherever you work, if ankle carry is your only option, then it then becomes the best mode of carry. Like it, it's not, if I'm, if I have everything, every option available to me, then yeah, it's not something that I'm going to go for. But if my lifestyle dictates that if I'm going to carry a gun, then I only have a certain amount of options, then I absolutely need to, you know, choose the option that allows me. And if that's ankle carry, it is. If, if my wife or a, a lady or, or, hey, I don't discriminate at gunfighter cast, right? It could be a transgender. doesn't matter to me. If they're carrying a purse and the only way that they're going to carry a gun, they're not going to change the way they dress. They're not going to change the way. They're not going to buy their pants larger. They're not going to carry inside the waistband. They're not going to carry that gun on their body. They're going to put it in their purse. If that's what gets them carrying a gun, it, I don't believe it's the absolute best option out there. But it, it for what their lifestyle is and their choices, then yeah, if that's going to get them carrying a gun, carry that gun in a purse. Now, I just, my wife, I, I can't bring myself to wear them. Maybe if I'm out hiking somewhere or something, maybe I'll wear one, but I can't bring myself to it. But go check out Yukawala Bag. Yukawala Bags, it looks like, people always tell my wife looks like she has a drop leg purse because that's exactly what she has, is a drop leg purse. These things are made for concealed carry. They have a, a pocket with loop in there so you can use hook on a holster and put that holster inside there. And it's, it's pretty awesome. That night, and they're they're good looking little holes, little, uh, well, holsters, they're, they're, they're like purses that you wear on your hip and they're they're not just a strap over your shoulder they're attached around the waist and around the leg which is why everybody says she has a drop leg purse which i i think is really really cool paulo uh asked about my edc blade right now i'm rocking a red folder from bastianelli knives and uh it's a it's a really awesome knife i've cut myself with it a few times it's it's a beautiful 
knife. I, I carry it whenever I'm not going out to the range because I break knives on a regular basis and it's too pretty. I really don't want to break it, but awesome, awesome knife. Shelly Anderson, I don't wear a purse, but if I did, I would probably carry in the purse so I could still wear my tight jeans. If I were carrying a purse, I'd probably wear tight jeans. Josh Lloyd, here's a good question. Do you like the MOS on the Glock Gen 4 or would you rather have the slide milled? I would rather have the slide milled every single day of the week. So let's say I wanted to go get a Halloween costume. And if I wanted to go get a Halloween costume, I could go and get a tailor-made Halloween costume that actually fit me. And I I would actually maybe even look like that character, you know, have like plastic molded and all kinds of stuff. Who knows? Or I could go to the Halloween shop or Walmart and I could get a one-size-fits-all Halloween costume. Now, I'm probably going to do be be maybe I'll get more candy out there if I get the one tailor made. I don't know, but or I'd probably get more likes on social media if I had the one that was tailor made for me. The, the what I'm getting at here is the MOS is the generic Halloween costume that you buy from Walmart. That is what the MOS is. It's one size fits all these different optics out there, and you know there's I I've seen I've heard a few people. Uh, I personally have not used the MOS, so um, I've. I've had students using the MOS and I've handled some MOS and I've shot guns with MOS. I've not personally owned an MOS gun and put extensive testing into this. Um, so I don't want you to tell you, tell you that, that this knowledge that I have is from me putting 3,000, 5,000 rounds from in a Glock 19 MOS because it's not. This is from people that I trust, people that I've seen, people that have brought these guns to classes, people that have brought guns into the store saying, hey, my gun is doing this. It keeps losing zero and they've got them on MOS. I, I would go Every time I would go get that slide milled. I personally use uh, Doug Holloway at ATEI uh, to mill the slides on my Glocks, but that's the way I would go because you're going to get a much true fit. What Doug told me, he said, uh, Trinchicon's RMRs aren't usually the same, so I'm not going to mill your slide until you send me your RMR. So he milled my slide for my RMR. Uh, he didn't mill my slide for an RMR, which uh, that thing's in there tight. And, uh, you know, it could break tomorrow. Then again, it could keep going for a while. But as far as milling and being secure in that thing, um, I don't think it could get any better. Scott, uh, Scott Daly, currently uh, I am in Greensboro, North Carolina. You're looking at the sliding glass door uh, blinds that uh, in the house that I grew up in. I am parked almost right next to this house, and uh, we'll be here for about a week and a half more, and then we won't be back for about four months. We'll be traveling all over the place. So right now I'm in Greensboro, North Carolina. We had an officer shot tonight in uh, Greensboro. Looks like he's in stable condition, and that was good to see. I was watching that right before I came over here uh, and started recording that. They're still out there investigating. Not sure all the details yet, but it looks like the officer is going to be okay. And uh, if you guys are seeing that on the news in Greensboro. That's about five miles from me. You know, I haven't used those yet. Ryan asked about, he says, what about the holster that you tuck into your pants, appendix style, but it goes really deep. And then the guy grabs the flap and pulls the whole gun up and out, good or bad. You know, I, I haven't used them. I, I saw that same holster, maybe not the same manufacturer, many years ago at a gun show. I just don't see it working with, with the way I dress. But maybe with some people it does. I, it kind of scares me. I mean, that, that big magnet up there seems to hold the gun pretty well. So I I don't know. And when I say it scares me, it's just the way that gun comes up and pops out. And like now there's a gun going flying because I'm not really holding on to that. And I've, I really need to be able to, to have one-handed draws as well as two-handed draws and clearing clothing and getting that thing up. So I, I really can't give a good opinion of it because I, I haven't spent any time with it whatsoever. Uh, Nico De La Cruz, am I still – are you – you said I'm still running a red dot. Uh, if so, how do you like it? So I am still running a red dot, and I am undecided. Um, I have found so far, and this is going to be an ongoing thing with me, I have found so far that I absolutely hate the red dot when I'm presenting the gun to the target initially. And I absolutely love the red dot after I get that dot on the target because tracking that dot and keeping those shots on target, are it's fast. I mean, it's, it's awesome. I love it. It's an enhancement. I got to spend some more time on that presentation because it is a little bit of a learning curve. It's a little bit of a change. And I actually got some pretty good tips from that from uh, a buddy, Aaron Cowan at Sage Dynamics, who had a video come out recently that I shared it on the same page explaining how to present that gun to the target and and how to work on those skills that that find that lets that dot land where it needs to as you present. So it, it's an ongoing thing with me, but I I am I it's the future 
and uh, I I like it so far. I do. Uh, there's just that one aspect of that first shot on target that I have a delay right now, but working past it. <laughs> Shelly Walters, dude, plug your course coming up in Arizona. So I'll be in Arizona uh, near Phoenix teaching a uh, uh, handgun vitals one and two, two-day class, handgun vitals there. And then the following weekend, I'll be hanging out at the Bullets and Bibles or Bibles and Bullets. I'm pretty sure Bibles comes before Bullets. So Bibles and Bullets conference down in uh, in Phoenix with uh, uh, the Active Self Protection guys, and it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a good time. So we'll be down there. Uh, the exact date is like the third week in March, if I remember correctly. Ooh, Nathan Peoples, in your travels, will you be hitting the West Coast? No. Not currently. I I would go out there. I might end up in. It looks like I'm going to get something scheduled in Idaho. That's going to be about as close as I get to it. Uh, I would totally come to California and do it. Just don't make me stay very long. If I if I had a host out there. Ooh, best upgrades for a Glock 19 out the gate. Irons, barrel. Man, replace those sights. Replace the sight. Well, my first upgrade that I do before I replace sights is a Sharpie on the rear sight. But then when replacing the sights, find some new sights for that gun. Uh, if you're a great shooter, if you if you can go out there and that target's at seven, ten yards, and you're 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 you got like a ragged hole and you're shooting you're shooting very well, then and you just can't get any better. It may be time to 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 look at a trigger on the gun. One of my favorite upgrades on on any Glock and. Uh, I've only I used to do it myself, but now I my recently sent a Glock to somebody and they sent it back to me with Great Lakes. What what they did was they did the double undercut under the trigger guard, and they did it so much better than I used to do my own undercuts with a, a Dremel tool. I don't know if I could go back without it. So my my current Glock that I'm I'm shooting a Glock 19 that's been modified by Doug at ATI and and Great Lakes did the uh, stippling and, and grip reduction on it and everything. I absolutely love that they removed the finger grooves and the grip reduction and that double undercut under the trigger guard. I like it a lot. Oh, Aimpoint or EOTech for LEO rifles. Man, I, I get the opportunity to train law enforcement a few times a year. It's not my primary thing. I don't teach them all the time. I don't get to hang out with them on the range all the time. Uh, I got a lot of friends that are law enforcement officers. So I, 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 can, I, can, I can, but I can tell you, even from those, those engagements that I have with them teaching a few times a year, the ones that show up with EOTechs, I would tell you that almost every single class, there's one or two with an optic down when they pull it out of their car. I was in a class three weeks ago with a lot of SWAT officers and patrol officers from the North Carolina area, and there were three, I'm not even lying to you, three EOTechs came out of cars, out of patrol cars, and they were all down. Their optics were down. They were running around looking for batteries when they got to the line. They were trying to get their guns working. They were popping up irons. They were, their optics were down. I... I personally, that with the the battery life and and as much as I've seen the EOTech, and I love the big window. I love the both eyes open, big huge window. I can't miss anything. Driving that gun, driving that dot, that that hologram, whatever to the target. I I dig it. I like EOTechs, but man, I, I I just see their batteries going down all the time. And they've recently had a few other issues out there. Um, I would if between Aimpoint and EOTech, I'm picking that Aimpoint pretty much all day, every day. Now, that's a good question, which I also have a another question that is very, very similar to that. And it's actually my next question on the list, so I'm going to go ahead and answer that. So the question, do you prefer a red dot or magnified optic on your AR? And my answer is, again, it depends on your application. If you're only doing entry, you're only doing breaching and going in the door, serving warrants, and that's it, uh, then maybe the red dot, that Aimpoint Micro or, or so, or the, the Trigicon MRO um, may be the, the best option for you. Um, but if you have some type of other role uh, out there, you know, maybe, maybe you're stuck on a cordon, maybe you're on the outside, uh, you're in some kind of blocking position or a military application. I have in the past year or so, a little bit over a year, became much more of a fan of having a variable power optic on on my gun. Um, getting having the ability to mag to be at one power or magnify to four, six, eight, and have a bullet drop compensator in that optic, it just increases the capability of that gun. Not only now do I have a gun that can shoot people, but now I have a gun that can observe, that can shoot, that can be much more precise, that can that can do a lot more things. So by adding that variable power optic to the gun, I increase my own capability 
capabilities and increase the capabilities of that gun. And if I understand that BDC and I understand my optic and I have it zeroed properly, I can increase my chances of first round impacts and make it safer for everybody else around. So I am a, a fan of the variable power optic right now. Uh, Steiner just wanted me to send me theirs back because my T&E was up by a year. They were kind of mad at me. So I, I'm supposed to get a couple of, of things in from Trigicon. Really interested in that one to eight that they have that they just released at Shot Show. I'm gonna check that one out. And uh, there's a, there's a lot of good options out there in that area. And and you know some of them are pretty high in the price range. Some of them aren't so bad. It just it just depends. Vortex is another one that's out there that you don't have to you know break the bank totally for it. But uh, they got some good solid optics too that I might you know do some some running of those this this coming year too or this year that we're in right now. Brad, nobody comes north because you haven't invited us and got a range, man. Let's make it happen. I'll come to North Dakota. I'm not scared. Oh, Michael Weaver asks, after a basic handgun class, what's next? Low light, vehicle, force on force? Man, I... It depends. It depends on the person. It depends on the student. So go take a, a basic handgun class. And when you're saying basic handgun class, I'm not talking about you're watching a PowerPoint. Because that to me, when somebody says basic handgun class, I'm thinking, I'm going to go sit here and understand how a gun works, how ammunition works, the way these things work, how to fill magazines, how to be safe, how to store a gun. To me, that's a basic handgun class. Now, if we're talking a beginner defensive handgun class where I'm learning to actually employ the gun in a defensive context, I'm able to shoot well. I'm going to shoot accurately. I'm going to sh- learn to shoot a little bit faster and maintain that level of precision. I, I'm going to work on problem solving the gun, reloading, stoppages, all those different things. Now that gets to be a little bit different. In in those different things, what, if if we have those, we took that class and learned those. I would say your next step is to buy some ammo and spend time practicing those things. Spend the time on your own. You know, you don't just go do it. Uh, practice dry. Practice out there on the range and and keep working those skills that you learn in the class. You don't go to a class to get better. You go to a class to learn how to get better. You actually get better in the homework between the classes. So after you have done that and you've got that check in the box, then go to that next level, the next most likely things that may occur that you need to know. Go learn that. And it may just be a different handgun class. Just because, so if you just if you took a defensive handgun class with me, if you took a handgun vitals class or a defensive handgun, one, two, or three at, at point blank range like you, Michael, that doesn't mean you're done. It doesn't mean you got your check in the box like Boom, check in the box, got my level one defensive handgun class, I'm good. No, that means that you got my perspective. That's it. That means you got my perspective and you need to go get somebody else's perspective. See you, Ryan. Thanks for coming. You need to get somebody else's perspective. And after you get somebody else's perspective, you still need to get somebody else's perspective. So, and you're going to get, you're going to make soup. You're going to get a, 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 you're going to get all this information from these different people. And we're not going to be saying the same thing. There's things that I believe uh, strongly about that other instructors may agree with, may disagree with, and then that they disagree with, or I disagree with. So I, I push all my students to go train with other people. You've got my perspective today. Now you need to go get someone else's perspective. And then you'll probably be able to answer your own question of what you should go do next after you do that a few times. Charlie says, what do you consider to be the fundamentals of rifle training? So if we're talking just shooting, then it's, you know, using sights or using optics and a good trigger press. No problem, Michael. A good trigger press. So, and that's that's the key to the whole thing. And if I learn how to use my optic, and I can have that optic zeroed properly and range estimated properly, and I have that optic held in the correct location, all I got to do then is not jerk the trigger and screw it up. It's that part's easy. But if I'm talking about fighting with a gun, if we're talking about a defensive application. So if we're talking about a, uh, a defensive application or a law enforcement or military, then there's a lot of things we need to be good at. So fundamentals to me is, one, we have to be able to shoot guns well. I need to be able to deliver a high level of precision very, very rapidly on a target at a variety of ranges. Zero to 500 in a military application, maybe zero to 200 in a law enforcement application. I need to be able to to do that. Yeah, yeah. for LEO, I would say, you know, zero to 200, maybe more. But I would say at, at the least zero to 200 because, um, and depending on where you live, and you know, if you're carrying, if you've got a rifle and you're in the middle of New York City, you may not need that long shot. You may, you may 200 may be way excessive, but depending on where you live uh, and the environment that you have that rifle in is really going to be, have a lot of influence on, on what your skills need to be like. So if I've got, I need to be able to shoot accurately, quickly and accurately. I need to be able to reload my gun 
very, very quickly. I need to get that gun back in the fight. And not only do I need to be able to reload the gun fast and quickly, but I need to be able to do it at a high level of proficiency. So I, whenever I have to do it, I may be in a very awkward shooting position, under stress, injured, hurt, a lot of different things. It may not be that I actually ran out of ammunition. I may be clearing a stoppage, but it also involves a reload. So a lot of our stoppage clearances uh, involve a reload or putting a magazine back in the gun or retrieving one from a pouch and putting it back in the gun. So when we're practicing reloads with a hand gun or a rifle, we're actually practicing a component of stoppage clearances as well. And we're getting more repetitions and we're getting faster at a variety of things, not just reloading the gun. And we need to be able to clear stoppages. We need to keep that gun running. One thing that I push very hard in my classes, especially if you asked about law enforcement officers, for law enforcement officers is the idea of not just transitioning to my secondary. I see a lot of folks spend a lot of time on the range you shoot in their primaries and practicing how fast they can transition from their primary to the secondary. Dropping a rifle out of the way and doing the same draw you do all the time, drawing your gun, your handgun from the holster, is not a very difficult skill. It's something you should practice and be good at it, but what you should really be spending some time on is transitioning from that handgun back to the big gun, because the little handgun sucks. If you're in a situation where you're having to shoot somebody who's trying to kill other people, you'll want to use your rifle because rifles don't suck. Handguns do so spend time that's a fundamental to me as well if you're dual armed in that aspect uh, or a law enforcement or military is not just transitioning from rifle to handgun but from getting that handgun away and getting that big gun back up uh very very core skill but good question uh what sites do you use on your your carry handguns logan you know i i'm not incredibly picky about the sites that i use on my guns uh, i try a few different ones that i like i find that i like and I didn't know I liked this until I accidentally ordered the wrong thing. I find that I like a bright orange or bright yellow, something that's different, square, like photoluminescent, maybe a little tritium in there on the front sight. And I like a flat black rear sight. I don't like anything at all on the rear sight, just straight flat black. And the sights have got to have some kind of straight up and down or forward leaning edge so that I can use it for one hand manipulations, racking the slide. Um, and those are pretty much my requirements uh, for the sights. Speaking of sights, I've got one of those Meprolite FT bullseyes coming that I'm going to try that I have no idea if they're going to be horrible and not let me hit anything or if they're going to be amazing and change everything. I have no clue, but I'm really interested in checking that out. Taylor asks, what in your opinion is the best way to approach a somewhat smaller business that is your employer regarding being able to carry concealed at work? Is it worth bringing up or just minding your own? Now, I'm going to assume in Taylor that you're going to say just minding your own means that you're just carrying a gun anyway, right? So um, I get it. And so they don't have a handgun policy. I guess you you probably know your employers and anybody out there knows your employers and, and the uh, and business environment um, and the, uh, the office politic environment better than, than, any, than I do. Um, I, I, I find that I, I found the more I've been, the longer I've, I do this, the more people I run into that are not very loud and vocal gun owners. You know, they may not have that Molon Labe 3% or Sheepdog tactical stickers Magpul on the back of their truck, but they may have more guns in their car than you do. You know, like there's there's people that just aren't as open about it. If it were me and I wanted to be able to do that, I would uh, I would try to stick my toe in the water a little bit and maybe drop a few hints and ask a few and maybe a few probing questions and see if that climate is one that would maybe I should keep pursuing this or maybe I should just keep carrying a gun and not say anything about me carrying a gun because they don't have a handgun policy. No, that'd be my best thing I could tell you to do. But good luck. Uh, if it were me, carry the gun anyway. Uh, Matt Sprague asked if I had checked out the ICE Claw from ICE Training Club, the one that uh, uh, Rob Pincus designed. Uh, yes, I actually carried claws on my Glock for a... I'd say at least three years on a Glock 19, and I really, really dig the claws. Uh, I like them a lot. I like that flat rear sight, that good, strong forward-leaning edge that the claw has, and and uh, it's a Ameriglow makes a great sight, and uh, they were they were awesome. And um, I've actually I've still got them. Uh, when I had to put suppressor sights on for my RMR, that's when they came off. So uh, I I dig them. I like them a lot. Cool. All right. Next question. Question I get uh, on a regular basis as well is what body armor should I buy for my plate carrier? 
And uh, I get this one quite a bit before class or during a class and after a class, a carbine class, because people are thinking about armor and what they should get. And armor is expensive. When you get some good stuff that, that's lightweight and still stops things the way it should, it gets pricey really, really quick. So budget is a huge factor. You know, if you've got an unlimited budget, you know, your options are, are unlimited, right? If you're out there shopping, the, the technology is progressing very, very quickly. There's a lot of technology out there and it's, it's getting better and better in the armor side uh, almost every day. I tell you when you're doing your research, stay away. And I've done it before. And uh, I've done some testing myself. And I'm going to talk about some testing that I did myself because I needed to see it with my own eyes. But don't base anything that you ever buy or do or trust your life to based on Daniel Shaw's recommendation for it ever. That would be stupid. Don't do it. So when we're talking about armor, there's a lot of folks out there doing the shade tree ballistic testing. Hey, we duct taped this armor to the side of a tree and we started shooting it and bullets went through and it had this much uh, deformation in the back face. And it's it's not accurate. It's not it's not the way the testing should be done. It's not the way the body reacts with that armor on there. It's not the same thing. They have created conditions that are not the same or not even remotely close uh, for stopping. Like, there's no give in that tree. There's no nothing. So um, there's 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 some pretty strict guidelines that the NIJ testing and and uh, and mil spec testing require for people to do. And it's it's not duct tape them to a tree. Now I I duct taped a well I didn't duct tape I hung a piece of body armor on a target that flexed quite a bit when it was shot to to give to simulate some of that gif. It wasn't you know as accurate as the NIJ standards or any of those things. But I did that with AR five hundred armor. And that AR five hundred armor, if you would have asked me the day before me doing that testing if you should buy AR four five hundred armor, I would tell you no, stay away from it. And not because it won't stop bullets, but it will. They stop bullets. They're great. My concern was the spall or the uh, spall coming off of that. As that round impacts that that target, and all that lead has to go somewhere, like into your neck, everything else. So that crazy thick rhino lining stuff that they put on there. I think if I remember correctly, we were at like seven shots of 762 by 39. And then I shot it a couple of times with uh 762 by 51. I had a stupid amount of shots of 556, M855. And the when it finally started coming out, it would it would be so much lead behind that that uh rhino lining that it pushed it out and then it would start shooting that shrapnel up and out and then into the arms or if it was a person or neck which would have been dangerous but we're talking about after like eight or ten hits which really changed my mind about ar500 so if i were on a budget and i didn't mind the incredibly heavy extra weight i would be okay with ar500 armor so it, it doing that really changed my mind about it and uh i i did not expect that result at all but some companies that i've seen some really good testing come from from labs that are doing it the right way are like uh velocity systems have some some and they're doing some of the most state-of-the-art stuff they've got some really cool stuff that they don't really talk about a lot uh i mean they're they're at the cutting edge there i've actually started working with a company called infidel body armor and uh they've got Got some really, really awesome cutting edge stuff that I've been running into, and I've got a few plates coming to me, and I, I've seen their testing, and I've seen their results from their independent testing and the laboratory results, um, and it, it's really, really impressive stuff. So you're going to probably see quite a bit more of me talking about Infidel body armor here in the near future. But so those are all good options, and there's more good options out there. There's some, there's some good, there's some good choices out there in the armor side, and it, it's getting better all the time. All right, before I go back over here and read a couple of these more questions, this episode of Gunfighter Cast is brought to you by Bravo Concealment Holsters. You know, I talked about Bravo being a good holster earlier. They're a good holster whether they continue to support Gunfighter Cast or not. Uh, I named off a few that do not support Gunfighter Cast, but uh, they support my gun when I'm carrying it, and I believe in those guns and those holsters. And part of my my criteria for being a sponsor of this show is something that if I don't carry it or I wouldn't trust my life to it, or if I wouldn't use it, then they're not going to be a part of, of this. They're not going to sponsor the show. I'm not going to talk about them. Bravo makes a great holster, uh, and they have an awesome warranty and they will take care of you. And, um, like I said earlier that I'm using the, I've been carrying the DOS for a while, but uh, I just recently started using the DOS torsion. Somebody asked me about it in a question earlier. I don't have enough time really to give you any, any results. It conceals the gun well, and it's just comfortable as the DOS. So doing good. And Bravo Concealment, go check them out. We have a coupon code with them, actually. So if you use the coupon code GUNFIGHTER 
at bravoconcealment.com. You'll get 10% off your entire purchase, no matter what it is. So go to Bravo Concealment and and go go shopping and and tell them tell them that we sent you or leave a message on their Facebook page and uh, tell them that we sent you because they they're a good solid American company that is a supporter of Gunfighter Cast and they help me keep doing what I'm doing and I really appreciate it and they make quality stuff. All right, so here's the last question before I go scan through some of your guys's. So my last question that I had to hold out that I get asked on a daily basis is I'm thinking about buying a handgun for defense. What should I buy? I get to ask this question so much. It's insane. Uh, I don't have an answer for you. I can't tell you what gun you should buy. I'm going to be at Cabela's at Fort Mill, South Carolina tomorrow answering this exact same question. I'm going down there to help them understand, to help people see what what choices they have and, and, and find guns that fit their lifestyle, their needs, their carry, and what they're doing. And I'm going to help try to answer this question for people because it is the ultimate question that we get asked all the time. Anybody that's a trainer gets asked this constantly. So what should I buy? So let's think about our application. If I need, okay, I'm going to get a gun. It's going to stay in my house for home defense. And what it's going to sit in a, a quick access gun safe on a shelf in my closet. Your options as far as size, you're, you're not restricted by size of gun anymore. You're not restricted by magazine capacity. You have a lot of, depending on where you live, you have a lot of options out there for talking about a strictly home defense gun. You can also put a light on that gun. We don't, we're not worried about concealing a gun. So your options are, are almost endless here. You could have a light mounted on your 50 AE Desert Eagle, whatever. But then again, if we're going to carry that gun, we need to think about it a little bit differently. If I'm going to shoot that gun, whether it's a defensive situation or recreation at the range, then I need to be thinking about how does that gun fit me? Does it fit in my hand properly so that I can hold it correctly and help mitigate recoil, but still press the trigger? in a precise way with a high level of dexterity and reach the magazine release, reach the slide release. Uh, don't, not, some of those things, it's not that I absolutely have to do those things, but it's better if I can. So I, I might sacrifice a few of those things for different things, but it's it, the gun needs to fit the hand. I need to be able to use the controls, reach the controls, and press the trigger. I still see it in gun stores where I walk in with my wife and we're looking at guns and some guy walks up, just starts talking and telling us how if she's looking at a gun, she needs to get one of these and and they grab some revolver with pink grips that even though my wife has got small hands and strong hands, she is still difficult for her to pull the trigger back on one of these things because they're so heavy. But I still see this in gun stores all the time. And it blows my mind that it still exists in the world when we're always offering these women the, like, the, worst, choice, the worst choice in handgun. I was talking to like... Uh, uh, Mike Tyson there for a second. Uh, the the worst choice in handguns for their hand size and their strength and all those different things. So you got to find the gun that works for you. And if you're working in a gun store, uh, Ryan Pennick already left, but Ryan is the owner of Thunderbird Firearms Academy in Wichita, Kansas. And one of the things that he beats his employees up and his guys up about all the time is never telling someone what they need. It's always having, and if you work in a store, you should have the same attitude. It's always using a consultative sales approach, talking to that friend, that customer, any of them, and figuring out exactly what their needs are. They have no idea what their wants are. They may, they don't know enough to know any of these things. So you are the professional right there, and you have to ask questions and not talk and just listen and Figure, and you can start figuring out the gun that's right for them using that consultative sales approach. And that's one thing that is incredibly lacking at gun stores across the country. And, I mean, we could get the right guns in a lot more hands and do it the right way if uh, if we had more of that happening in gun stores. Obviously, that gun needs to be reliable and, and a good – we're going to point them to that. And those of you working in stores and uh, those shopping, you know, that could be the first and foremost. We can find some good stuff online of that. Anything you're looking for and researching online, take it with a grain of salt. Take anything I say with a grain of salt. I just told you that Bravo Consumer holsters are good and they give money to support Gunfighter Cast. So, yes, I I know myself and I know I'm not lying about that. I know I, I trust the company and I, I'm carrying the gun and I've got three guns in Bravo Consumer holsters right now, but you don't know that, right? So, uh, you're just taking my word for it. So, what I'm telling you is don't Nobody on the internet should be your single source of information. That would not be, including myself, would not be a good idea. All right, let's see what we got here. Oh, here's a good one from Charlie Narwald. All right. 
As a Marine, do you ever get asked what your thoughts on General Mattis as Secretary of Defense? I have been asked that. I was in some conversations in Vegas about that with people that weren't there for SHOT Show, which was interesting. I've been asked that question a few times. What do you think about General Mattis? Is he as good as everybody says he is? I've been asked that one. I got to Kuwait in July of 2004. Oh, I can't remember exactly, but basically, anyway, I had never met Mattis, and but he was uh, in charge of pretty much everything at the time, and he was speaking, and I remember thinking, like, I've never heard anybody talk like this guy. This was awesome. He explained to us that if there were Marines a few miles away, and we were taking food to them, and they were hungry, and somebody shot at us, those Marines can go hungry a little bit longer because you better stop and kill or capture whoever shoots at you. If you're taking medical supplies to wounded Marines and their bleeding's under control and they're not going to be dead in the next 10 minutes, well, you've got 10 minutes to stop and kill or capture whoever just shot at you. His whole thing was, if you have found an opportunity to go kill bad guys, you take that opportunity to kill bad guys every single chance you get. And I had never been talked to like this guy before by someone at that high level as a general. Yeah, at the lower level and the platoon commanders and company commanders. Yeah, we hear that all the time. But that same mentality tends to go away in a lot of the general grade and officers. And uh, man, Mattis got it. And I, he was awesome. I tell people to my, my thoughts on General Mattis uh, or our Secretary of Defense, I guess the Honorable Mr. Mattis now is what we should call him. If he texts me tonight and said, hey, we're charging the gates of hell with squirt guns at 2 a.m., Dude, I'd, I'd be right there behind him, ready to roll. Let's do this thing, because he is awesome. And I am sleeping better at night knowing that Mattis is at the helm. Would you or have you thought about doing a training course for kids on basic gun safety and handling? I, I would, and I have. And uh, I absolutely, when I have people come to my classes and they bring a kid with them, I yell at everybody else who didn't bring their kids with them. You guys are letting the Second Amendment down. You're letting the country down. You're letting the future down. Why do you hate the future? You should have brought your kid with you. Uh, I've got somebody who's bringing a a 13-year-old child to a class coming up in the very near future because they asked me if it would be okay. And I like to know this child, and I like to know the parents before saying yes to something like that, depending on the class. But in this case, absolutely, perfectly fine. And I would love to have many of those around that age in classes because they're the future of the Second Amendment. They're the future. They're the ones that are going to protect us in the future. They're the future of the military, law enforcement, and just regular armed citizens out there carrying guns. And I absolutely love it. And uh, I try to give them more than just firearms training in that class, but also give them man training. And that's I love it. And if it's a woman, she can get woman training. Oh, yeah, you can't beat it, Scott. So the NRA membership weekend at Cabela's is this weekend. And he says it's going to be awesome. Sign up or renew and receive 25 Cabela's gift cards. So this weekend, if you guys sign up for uh, the NRA, you get a renew it. You get a $25 gift certificate at Cabela's That's or, or gift card. That's awesome. You, you can't beat it. I wish they were doing it for the uh, NFA repeal thing on the whitehouse.gov right now. Uh, Michael Weaver asked, how's my 1911 experience been thus far? And uh, I, I, I can't say that I haven't spent any time with it yet. I've got a few things coming up where I will be spending a lot of time with it, but I am not quite there yet. And uh, that is something that you're going to probably get tired of me talking about later on this year. All right, last questions, guys, unless somebody has something really awesome, but I got to go. We're getting a little long, and uh, I've actually got something really cool coming up. I'll have to make this announcement first, but I've got something really, really cool coming up in the next few days, and I'm thinking it's going to be three episodes. I'm not sure, so don't quote me on that, but I just finished the book Warnings Unheeded by Andy Brown. If you don't know who Andy Brown is, he is the airman who lasered Dean Melberg from around 75 yards at the Fairchild uh, Air Force Base whenever he went in there at the hospital and, and murdered people. Uh, was an active shooter. He was the first responding officer, rode there very quickly on a bicycle, was obviously fatigued from that ride, took a knee, zapped this dude, and at Masada Ayub writes the foreword, and he called it something like mystical marksmanship or something, but it, it was amazing. I, I had no idea what to think because I didn't. I don't know Andy. I've, I've talked to him now, but I didn't know him at the time. I had no idea what to think if this was a guy who was going to be talking about how awesome he was in his book because I've seen that a lot in some books that I've read. Not even close. This book, I, I told Andy today that he needs to take the same format or somebody needs to take the same format 
that he did in this book and do a diagnostic of every active shooter event that's ever happened. This book is so good. If you are a trainer, if you work in a business, if you may in some way in your life be an active shooter could happen near you, you need to go check that thing out. It is an awesome book. It's called Warnings Unheeded by Andy Brown, and it's amazing. Uh, it, it goes into some such great detail. I I can't wait. This episode, we're going to talk about some, some heroism of why there was... The only people who died in that Fairchild incident were the ones that had unrecoverable injuries. The ones that couldn't have possibly lived... They're the only ones who died in that. And the reason they did was because of bystanders, because of people around. It would, I can't wait to talk about it. It's going to be awesome. You guys are going to really, really dig it. And there's a, so many things to take away and learn from that, that go to all aspects of our self-defense. So, guys, go check out Shaw Strategies at shawstrategies.com. That's my company that I cranked up about a month ago. Find a class that I'm teaching in your area. I'm all over the country this year. I'm taking a lot of classes and teaching a lot of classes. And while I'm doing that, I, I would love to. I've already had three or four different Gunfighter Cast listeners contact me and let me know they've signed up for classes that I'm taking. And uh, that would be awesome for you guys to come take a class with me because I'm, I'm training all over the place with a lot of really, really good trainers. And you guys should come train with me, alongside me. Uh, and also, also jump in a class that I'm teaching. So uh, learn with me, learn from me, whatever. It'd be awesome to see you guys this year. Next, if you guys enjoy Gunfighter Cast and it's worth the price of a cup of coffee for you or a bottle of water, whatever it is you drink, uh, you could pledge a dollar or more for each episode. You could set a cap. So if you only want to spend $8 a month to pay for Gunfighter Cast, then you can set it to where it never charges you more than that. So each episode, you set a cap for it. And uh, if you're willing to, uh, most people pledge somewhere between $1 and uh, $10. And I typically do $8, eight episodes a month. So do the math and set the cap for what you can sustain and what you can afford. And uh, you know, don't don't overburden yourself. But I appreciate it. Yeah, the, it's going to continue to be for free. But I look at this as a, a thank you. Like this, thanks for thanks for doing this. And it, and it helps inspire me to do it. And it, it helps me buy products, helps me do things. I have costs associated with the show. And you guys help me do it. And I, I really appreciate it. So right now, the listeners are, are doing great helping me out. And uh, I thank you a lot for that. Uh, the last question I said I was going to answer is uh, Charlie again. He's in a lot of answers. He said, did you ever think you'd be doing what you're doing since retiring from the Marines? No. I had no clue. Uh, I knew I was going to get out and start a company and train. I figured that I would be in a in my hometown somewhere teaching concealed carry on the weekends, you know, doing part-time at some gun store where I, I see a lot of folks end up and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that whatsoever. But what I'm doing now in the media side and with a few different companies, with Funker Tactical, with Media Lodge, Gets Own, uh, some of the writing and, and the friends that I associate with and learn from and uh, the opportunities that I have, the listeners out there, like I, no, I had no clue. It, it wouldn't, couldn't have planned it. You know, it wasn't even, uh, never crossed my mind. Uh, so it's, uh, I'm very, very fortunate and it is, uh, totally awesome. And you guys are the ones that are allowing me to do this. I exist because students come to class. I exist because people watch videos. I exist because people listen to Gunfighter Cast. And, uh, I really, really appreciate that. And it helps me out a lot. You guys are, are the ones that make that happen. So thanks for hanging out tonight. And, uh, I hope you dug this episode of Gunfighter Cast. I'm going to go edit it and make it sound not quite so bad and put it up there for uh, all the folks who weren't here with us. So until then, Gunfighter Cast out.